This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, January 20th, 2012. I'm Caleb Brown. Protect IP and its companion, the Stop Online Piracy Act, appear to be on the ropes after a groundswell of public opposition. The recent seizure of the site Mega Upload may offer some limited instruction about what a world under Protect IP might look like. Julian Sanchez, research fellow at the Cato Institute, comments. On Friday morning, uh, just a couple days after an unprecedented act of widespread Internet protest against controversial anti-piracy legislation, uh, Harry Reid uh, in the Senate announced that he would not be bringing the Protect IP Act uh, for a cloture vote uh, on the 24th. And Lamar Smith, the sponsor in the House of the Stop Online Piracy Act, announced that he was shelving it for the time being, uh, reversing a previous pledge to move forward with markup on the bill in February. Uh, this is a, a really kind of amazing victory for distributed Internet activism uh, when you consider that just a couple of months ago, both of these bills were considered a fait accompli. It was believed that with the immense lobbying power of the recording industry, the movie industry, uh, much of the software industry, behind this legislation, uh, there was really nothing that could be done to stop it. Uh, we saw supporters on Wednesday in response to an internet blackout uh, pulling their support uh, in, in droves, I mean, abandoning uh, the bills faster than I've seen anything in Washington abandoned since Anthony Weiner uh, got a little too frisky on Twitter. This demonstrates, I think, a really important fact about how the internet is transforming politics. Every good political scientist understands that political outcomes are basically determined by the transaction costs of organizing. What that means is if you think of a, a particular piece of pork that's worth uh, you know, a billion dollars to five big companies. It's pretty easy for those five companies to decide that it's in their interest to spend money to get together, organize, form some kind of trade group or lobbying group uh, to try and get their hands on that billion dollars. Whereas it's a lot harder to organize millions and millions of distributed taxpayers to get together and organize to oppose that little bit of pork. And the same is true for what we might call regulatory pork. The way the internet changes that is it drops the costs of organizing so dramatically that you no longer need a big institution with paid lobbyists and some, you know, offices and a persistent infrastructure for mobilizing votes and uh, communicating with legislators. People can spontaneously organize around an issue as it happens. Uh, this, I think, explains some of the astonishment we saw from legislators at the vehemence of the reaction. It used to be if you had a piece of legislation, you could just look at the field and see who the likely players are. Uh, the AARP will be for it and the NRA will be against it. You knew whose reactions were relevant and you could work things out in a back room before you ever brought legislation forward and know pretty much what the reaction was going to look like. And that's just no longer the case because the players themselves uh, in, in these political conflicts now don't even know who they are until they find themselves part of a spontaneous online movement. Um, but before uh, internet activists pop the champagne corks uh, and uh, start swilling the bubbly, we should note that just uh, yesterday, 
the FBI gave us a reminder that we already have very, very similar legislation to SOPA and PIPA for domestic U.S. registered sites. We were reminded of this when the FBI uh, and the Justice Department took down the uh, popular file locker or cyber locker file sharing site Mega Upload. Uh, and Mega Upload is actually operated out of Hong Kong and its uh, uh, principals were arrested in New Zealand, but it was registered in the United States, which means that under authority provided by the Pro-IP Act of 2008, uh, the government is able to use civil forfeiture authority to seize uh, sites that are believed to be used for copyright infringement right at the registry. Now, that's less of a technical nightmare than what SOPA had contemplated, right? SOPA uh, would have forced thousands of internet service providers and search engines to all try to block uh, a pirate site that couldn't be seized uh, this way overseas. This, this takes it out at the registry, which is, again, technically less problematic. But it is, from a constitutional perspective, uh, somewhat problematic. Now, there's a lot of evidence in this indictment that suggests that the folks behind uh, Mega Upload were deliberately and very consciously encouraging copyright infringement on their site as part of their revenue model. And if that's true and that holds up in, in a, a court of law before a, a jury, then you know, certainly they will be uh, properly punished for it. But uh, it does suggest that we have mechanisms for reaching even people overseas. Uh, the question, though, is does it make sense before anyone is convicted to pull an entire site offline? Because while there's no doubt there was plenty of copyright infringing material uh, circulating on, on mega upload, there are lots of Americans who were using that site for legitimate purposes, to back up their own files, to you know, share a wedding video with cousins. It was a useful way to share large files for legitimate purposes too. And all those people have now lost access to their data as well. Um, you know, it's, again, the, the baby is sort of thrown out with the bathwater bath here, and none of them have had really any warning about it. Uh, part of the problem here is that this is an application of civil forfeiture laws, which are really designed for stuff like, you know, seizing a drug dealer's car. And when you seize a drug dealer's car, that matters to the drug dealer and, you know, maybe people he was used to giving rides. But it didn't affect the larger community in a way, and it certainly didn't implicate anyone's First Amendment activity. But when you shut down a website, a web platform that users are using, it's not just the company that ran that platform that's affected. It's everyone who used that site, everyone who used that site to circulate and disseminate speech. Uh, so, you know, I think there's a serious question of whether the same process is appropriate for these very different kinds of seizure. There's also, I think, a couple of uh, problematic things in the indictment against Mega Upload. Again, there's... Uh, abundant evidence that there was a, a kind of conscious conspiracy to encourage infringement there, and you know, that's all uh, you know, powerful evidence of, of guilt. But there's also a, a pretty strong indication that the government considers lots of not as obviously illicit practices on their part as uh, you know, as themselves somehow signs of uh, illicit or criminal intent. You know, so they, they point out that Mega Upload didn't do a whole lot to preemptively try and screen for infringing content and that if uh, one link to a certain kind of file was requested to be removed by copyright owners, they didn't go ahead and uh, disable access to every other copy of the same file on the service. And it might seem like, well, that's just a way to try and dodge complying with the law. 
But the problem is that even though we talk loosely about infringing content, that's sort of a misnomer. I mean, if you think about it, right, um, lots of people have copyrighted video or MP3 files that are on their hard drive that are there legally because they bought them and they're there because they want to use and listen to them. And a lot of those people also use cloud services like Dropbox to back up their files or to make them available to themselves from other locations. So if I'm at home and I have just bought a new record album and ripped it to my hard drive from CD, I might put it in my Dropbox folder instead of you know, lugging the CD into the office so I can make sure I can access it from that folder on my own computer. Uh, that's not infringing content. That's a legal use of my own purchased material. So it wouldn't make sense because someone else was illicitly distributing that same file uh, in violation of copyright, that you would disable access to every single copy of the file, whether it's being used or distributed in an infringing way or not. Um, people raise the specter of things like, well, Wikipedia or Reddit being taken down under SOPA or PIPA, and that wouldn't actually have been possible. Those are sites, those are sites that are registered in the United States, and SOPA was targeting foreign sites. Um, but under pro-IP, that actually could happen if someone in the government decided that these were sites that weren't doing enough to stop infringement. The unfortunate thing is that Pro-IP passed in 2008 before we saw this kind of nascent distributed movement to uh, protect speech on the internet. It also unfortunately happened before the Government Accountability Office decisively debunked some really outrageous and fabricated statistics purporting to show that piracy was costing uh, American businesses $250 billion a year or 750,000 jobs. And these really were made-up numbers, uh, but at the time they were believed and they were put in proud press releases by legislators who supported pro-IP. Um, so it's an interesting question now whether in light of this, despite the fact that I think most people will look at this and say, yeah, it probably looks like the guys at Mega Upload are guilty, um, but nevertheless, are we comfortable with the idea that sites can be taken down in this way before they're actually convicted? Julian Sanchez is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work at Cato.org.